0: Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Marini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Following the historic recognition of the Armenian Genocide by Congress and President Biden, we're now seeing the House of Representatives take this a step further with the introduction of the Armenian Genocide Education Act. I'm joined today by Aram Hamparian, the Executive Director of the Armenian National Committee of America, to discuss this landmark bill and more. Aram, welcome back on The Greek Current. Great to be here. Aram, why is the introduction of this bill such a significant move?
1: Well, this move helps lock in U.S. recognition. It does so in a way that rejects the denial of the Armenian genocide, the denial of the eradication of the Christian presence in Asia Minor during the era of the First World War. But most importantly, because it educates Americans, public school children across the country, about this terrible atrocity, the lessons of this crime, the importance of justice and genocide prevention moving forward.
0: And how exactly will this legislation do this?
1: So the legislation put forward by Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, co-chair of the Hellenic Caucus and... Congressman Gus is also a co-chair of the the Hellenic Caucus, both members and active members of the Armenian Caucus as well. This legislation would appropriate $10 million over five years, so $2 million a year, to fund the Library of Congress's programs. Programs that the Library of Congress would develop or co-develop with other institutions to teach about the Armenian genocide with a specific focus on awareness of the crime, but also rejecting the denial of this atrocity. And, you know, the roots of this in in some ways are in in Holocaust education. A couple of sessions of Congress ago, we saw uh, the Never Again Act passed and that, you know, took denial, Holocaust denial, head on and said, look, we can't take it for granted that school children know about this crime and we certainly need to be mindful of the fact that people are lying about this crime. And the adoption of that measure, which we supported, our Hellenic brothers and sisters supported, was a very welcome development. This would be a natural follow-on to that. The Holocaust has been recognized by the Congress, certainly the Armenian Genocide, recognized by the Congress and the President. So this is the next step. One of the next steps. is, is several. So this would fit into kind of a, into an array of, of activities. One that took place soon after the passage of the, the resolutions was the Library of Congress locking in the recognition or the catalog, the proper cataloging, subject heading for the Armenian Genocide. They got that wrong for about, you know, about 50 years, but they got it right, right after the Genocide resolutions passed. Then the resolutions call for the rejection of denial. And this legislation speaks to that. And then general overall awareness and with a longer term vision of justice, right? Because we want to teach we want to educate and raise awareness. But ultimately, we want justice. The United States, along with the rest of the civilized world, signed the Genocide Convention, which, if you read the full title, is the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of Genocide. We punish crimes like this because we want to deter them. We punish them because the victims deserve justice and The perpetrators deserve to be held accountable.
0: You brought up denial of the genocide. I want to focus on that. What does recognition of the Armenian genocide by the U.S. government and this new step that we're seeing meant for the mercenaries, if we can call them that, that have been on Turkey's payroll, kind of peddling this whole genocide denial line for years?
1: Yeah, well, they were given cover, really, they were given political cover for decades for an extremely hateful, a patently false narrative. A racist narrative of, of Armenians as the perpetrators of genocide, not the victims of genocide, turning the entire history upside down. So they got political cover from our U.S. government, which is a shame. And, and things that they said, lies that they propagated that should have been you know, rejected out of hand, were given some currency in our political system because, well, the U.S. government was quiet on the issue. Well, with the U.S. government on the right side of the issue, they are where they belong, which is in the dark corners of America, in the shadows, you know, peddling their lies. And day by day, week by week, month by month, they're gonna find themselves in a less and less tenable position. They're already outcasts and that has to continue. The sad thing though is that these voices still get traction and very often it's not in Congress anymore. You're not hearing any more denial out of members of Congress. You're not hearing it out of political figures except some fringe characters, but you are seeing it on the internet. And Twitter, I hate to say this, is a cesspool of genocide denial of many genocides. Uh, Facebook as well. They don't police these things nearly as well as they should. But the good news is that they're being pushed out of the public space, certainly in Washington, but they're finding a home across the internet. And this legislation, the Armenian Genocide Education Act, speaks specifically to challenging online genocide denial and distortion.
0: Aram, this move by Congress comes at a time when Azerbaijan, with the support of Turkey, is once again threatening Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh and is effectively trying to erase their historical presence in the region. How is Azerbaijan doing this?
1: Yeah, they're just continuing the work of 1915. Erdogan and Aliyev have talked about finishing the work of their forefathers. That's just code. Those are dog whistles for we're going to wipe the Armenians out. We're going to get rid of the ones that we didn't get rid of in 1915, we'll get rid of them now. There was an irony, maybe a painful irony for Armenians uh, last year when President Biden recognized the Armenian genocide. He built on the congressional recognitions and and recognized it as the president, but then within 24 hours of that act, green-lighted continued military assistance to Azerbaijan, which is perpetuating the Armenian genocide. And they really, one is at direct odds with the other. You can't, you should not, the president should not have recognized a crime and then abetted a country that wants to complete that crime. And that that's what President Biden did. It may have been some kind of horse trading he felt that he was doing with Turkey or, or Azerbaijan, but it was wrong on every level. He took a moment that should have been a powerful teaching moment for America, should have been a, a proud moment for President Biden, should have been a relief for Americans of Armenian heritage who've worked on this issue for, for decades. But instead, it turned out to be a sort of a crass, cynical political calculation, bundling the truth with the arming of a genocidal regime. And that, that was very painful for us. We're hoping that, and we expect that this year, President Biden will finally cut off the military aid to Azerbaijan.
0: Looking at the region today, Aram, would you say that Azerbaijan's President Aliyev is essentially taking advantage of the fact that the world's attention is now on Ukraine, to put it bluntly, to finish what he started with the brutal war in 2020?
1: Sure. I mean, in 1915, it was the cover of World War I that allowed the young Turks to roll out their genocidal plans. In 2020, it was the virus, the COVID virus that distracted the world and they attacked then. And now we're seeing the, the war in Ukraine. This has become sadly a trend to have it on the part of Armenia's Turkish neighbors to look for political cover when it doesn't look like anyone's paying attention in the shadows. Out of the sort of the, the view of, of the world, they, they commit these terrible crimes, take Armenian land, take Armenian lives, you know, just visit vast horrors across the Armenian world. Uh, Azerbaijan is attacking village by village, valley by valley, hill by hill, moving its forces step by step in and then saying, well, it's a misunderstanding, it's a border issue, just incrementally encroaching upon the Armenians, blasting loud sound systems, telling the Armenians you know, they have to leave or they'll, or they'll be killed. They are moving into areas of Armenia proper, moving troops in occupying areas, shelling. they recently reintroduced the use of Bayraktar drones killing four Armenians in, in Artsakh recently. Uh, those drones were found to have U.S. parts in them. That's the subject of a State Department Defense Department investigation that was mandated by the Congress late last year. So it's something, something like high-tech, something like incremental infantry advances, and then add to that some psychological warfare.
0: Where does cultural heritage fit in this discussion, Aram? Because we've read reports that Azerbaijan is targeting Armenian cultural heritage in the region as well.
1: We are, um, in many ways, very closely tied to our monuments, our churches, our holy sites. Uh, the connection of Armenians to that land and of, of Armenian Christianity to that land literally goes back to the first century. Uh, Armenians were preached to for the first time by the apostles Thaddeus and Bartholomew. Armenia became the first nation to convert to Christianity as a nation in, in 301 AD. My last visit to Nagorno-Karabakh, last visit to Artsakh, was, included a trip to Dadivan, which was established in the first century by a student of the Apostle Thaddeus. But those churches, holy sites, cemeteries are being desecrated systematically. The ones that are not being ripped down are being rebranded. These Armenian churches with ancient Armenian script upon them are now being described as Albanian churches, which is obviously just a convenient fiction you know, concocted by Azerbaijan. Bajan. So I think it's all part of sort of a very long pattern. And this is true of the Hellenic heritage in Asia Minor. The idea that, like, we will get rid of the people, and then we will get rid of the presence and the culture, and then we will erase even the memory. And then then the crime will be complete. And, yeah, that's it's a terrible, terrible pattern. One that is not satisfied with killing people, but erasing them and then erasing even their memory.
0: And brings us back to just how significant this piece of legislation, you know, the Armenian Genocide Education Act, really is. Oh, yeah.
1: And the legislation is very specific. Uh, This is Ottoman Turkeys, systematic mass murder, expulsion, exile of Armenians, Greeks, Assyrians, Chaldeans, Arameans, Maronites, and other Christians. It encompasses the full universe of groups of nations, frankly, who were attacked, exiled, uh, very nearly eradicated from the planet. And I think that this really speaks to to all of our constituencies.
0: We talked about Section 907 briefly, and I want to wrap up our discussion with a look at that. Michael Rubin, a frequent guest on our podcast, he warned today that as Azerbaijani forces once again go on the offensive, the Biden administration could be dropping the ball and even helping the aggressor by potentially waiving Section 907 of the Freedom Support Act. Are you concerned that the U.S. may let Azerbaijan off the hook again?
1: Yeah, very, very concerned. Past presidents were wrong, absolutely wrong to waive this law. That goes back to Bush and then Obama and then Trump. Trump really, really compounded things by upping the money from just the, the single-digit millions up to the tens of millions, even over $100 million. And then Azerbaijan used that assistance to attack Armenia and Armenians and Artsakh. So he was wrong in that regard in providing money, the big bulk of money. But President Biden is palpable here because he now knows how that assistance was used. He knows how Azerbaijan utilizes the assets, the strengths, the increased capabilities that US assistance provides. He's seen that. He saw it last year, and yet he greenlighted the assistance. Now, a year later, with Azerbaijan renewing its attacks, with new fatalities, with new reports of territory being taken, indigenous Armenian land being stolen by Azerbaijan, there's no excuse. He's fully aware of where it is going, of how it's being used, how it materially strengthens, but also morally emboldens Azerbaijan. So in the full knowledge of all this, it, I don't know how... He can justify its waiver. We'll see very soon. Last year, the waiver was done on April 23rd. We're just a couple of weeks away from that now. We can assume that it'll happen in this window. The decision will be made. We certainly hope the decision will be to stop all U.S. arms and aid to Azerbaijan, stop aiding and abetting this genocidal regime. It would really, really come as a terrible, terrible disappointment if President Biden decides to, to continue this military program to uh, Aliyev's Azerbaijan.
0: Aram? Thanks again for joining us on The Greek Current. Always great speaking with you. Thank you, Thomas. In other news, Greece has repaid its outstanding debts dating back to its financial crisis to the International Monetary Fund, two years ahead of schedule, the country's finance minister said on Monday. Finance Minister Christos Steykouras hailed the payment as a very positive development that would mean significant savings in debt servicing costs. This closes a chapter that opened in May 2010, when Greece appealed to the Fund for Financial Support, Steykouras said. Despite exiting the bailout program in 2018, Greece remains under an enhanced surveillance program created by European lenders to monitor spending, an arrangement due to end later this year. Finally, Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs Victoria Nuland is scheduled to visit Turkey, Greece, and Cyprus in the coming days as part of a broader European trip, which will see her also visit France and Germany. During her visit to Cyprus, Ms. Nuland will inaugurate the Cyprus Training Center for Land and Maritime Safety and Port Security, or CYCLOPs, established and already operating in Larnaca. Newland is also scheduled to meet with President Anastasiades, who's expected to go over his proposal on confidence-building measures and point out the readiness of the Greek-Cypriot side to resume negotiations in resolving the Cyprus issue. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.